0: good morning. Well, thanks for being at LifePoint today. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're here for the first time or the first few times, and you'd like to get to know a little bit more about us, I would love to meet you at our welcome experience that takes place right after this service. Just go out in the lobby and in the room in the corner there, it says welcome experience on the wall. And you can come in and hear a little bit about why we do what we do and how you can take a next step to participate in what we're doing as a church. So we're in the fourth week of this series called What Keeps You Up at Night? And the series started with us putting out a few surveys back in the summer, asking you the question, what are the things that keep you up at night? What are the things you worry about? What are the things that just tend to roll through your mind over and over again? And that formed the content for what we're talking about in this series. Well, so today I'm up to the one that you said kept you up at night, and that is regret. Regret. That's looking at something and wishing it would have never happened or you would have never done it. Now I've got a few of those in my life. Anybody got a few of those in their life? One that I always think of when I think about things I've done that I regret, and there's a bunch. This one happened when our youngest child was a newborn and our family lived 18 hours away. So we decided we were going to make the trek from uh, south Louisiana all the way up to northern West Virginia, 18-plus-hour drive, and, and show the in-laws the new baby. They can't be there for her birth. So I said, honey, let's just load up the van and let's just go. Let's just drive through the night. So we get there mid-morning. Cinda, my wife, her her dad is at work. Her mom should have been at home. And knock on the door, no answer. Knock on the back door, no answer. And she said, well, let me just call. And I think the neighbor probably has a key. Let me call my dad at work. I said, no, there's got to be an open window in the house somewhere. And so I start going around the house trying to open the windows. And on the back deck, I finally get open the kitchen window over the sink. And so I start crawling in. Stuff's falling in from the windowsill down into the sink, making a lot of noise. And my mother-in-law comes out of the restroom where she'd been showering <laughs> with, a, with a towel around her uh, saying things that I will not repeat. And my wife's in the front yard thinking, let's just load up and go home. I'm thinking, I really regret doing this at that moment. I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. You probably have some weird times like that in your life. You think, I really regret that. I really wish I hadn't have done that. Does anybody have, you don't have to show your hand, but not several people in here have tattoos, I'm sure. So you got to think about it when you get a tattoo because it's there. You can get it removed, not totally, but... But you really have to think about it. And friends of mine who got tattoos, I mean, they would think about it. What do you think about this? And people often ask me, I don't think I look like a tattoo person, but they'll say, hey, do you have a tattoo? And I always say, not one that I can show you. (laughs) But I don't have one. (laughs) But you, you you have to be really careful because it's a permanent thing. And you have to think about it. Unlike what these people did when they decided to get a tattoo, um, What are you going to do with that? And then a sports fan. Here's a sports fan that got a tattoo, and he was celebrating the super bowel. And then some people just celebrate life. They just live on the edge, and they just say, I'm I'm going to live with no regrets," Or no regrets is how I'm going to live. Man, what do they do with that? How do they get rid of that? Well, many things that we regret, like I'm sure those people are thinking, what was I thinking? I could have consulted, you know, I could have just done a Google search and got some help with the spelling. Many things we regret are harmless. Funny memories like I shared. A misspelled word that's a tattoo. But others leave not a mark on us, but a mark in us. Other things that we do and end up regretting, we carry with us through life. Words that we said that we wish we hadn't have said. Something that we didn't do, we know we should have done. We waited too late to save. We spent too much time doing the wrong thing. We look back and say to ourselves, I can't believe I did that or I can't believe that happened to me. So here's what a regret is, so you can determine if you're dealing with one. Regret is looking into the past and wishing it would have been different. It's looking back there thinking, why can't it be different? Why does it have to be that way? And just playing it over and over and over in your mind. Just getting caught in that cycle of, I wish it hadn't have been that way. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that happened to me. And I beat myself up and I think about how it should have and could have been and I get paralyzed by looking into my past. If you look into your past and it paralyzes you and it takes you down an emotional road you shouldn't go down, you're probably dealing with regret. There's a website called secretregrets.com. You can go on there and read about regrets that people post that nobody else knows about things they're dealing with on the inside that they're just in a cycle over and over again. Here's a few of them I pulled off there just to show you. This lady says, I regret marrying my husband just three weeks ago. I should have called it off before I walked down the aisle. I'm 23 and I just haven't had the time to learn to love myself yet. I regret not telling people how much he hurt me. Now, if he's hurting other people, I feel like it's my fault. I regret the addiction, the lies, the broken relationship, and all the time I've lost. It's now gone forever. Another person said, I regret living long enough to post this. My life is in shambles. There's nothing I can do to fix it. I am helpless. Maybe for you, that That created a little bit of sting when I read those because maybe some of those relate to you or you have a regret that's deep inside of you that you look in the past and you're wishing, you're longing, it could have been different. In the book, Starting Over, my, my good friends John and Dave Ferguson write about what it means to put regret behind you. And they identify these three areas for regret. So you can probably look at your regrets and they'll fall in one of these three categories or more. And the first one is regrets of action. Like things that you did. Like when you look at yourself in the mirror and go, I cannot believe I did that. I can't believe I let that happen. I can't believe I said those words. I can't believe I took a drink. I can't believe I took a hit. I can't believe I went there. I can't believe I did that. And you think, if I had not acted that way, I wouldn't be dealing with what I'm dealing with today. That, those are regrets of action. Then there's regrets of inaction, looking at the past and thinking, I wish I would have acted there. I mean, how many of you wish you could go back in time and invest maybe 10, 20 grand in Apple in the late 90s when it was in trouble? (laughs) Wouldn't that be, you could be retired today, easily. So the regret of inaction is looking into the past and regretting something you should have done but did not do. And a lot of people, I'm sure today, are dealing with that should you have offered words of encouragement and forgiveness while the person was still around to do it should you have chosen a different career when people look in the past and think like that that's regrets of inaction and then there's the third area of regret which is the regret of reaction and regrets of reaction it's not something you did or something you didn't do, but something that was done to you. Something that happened to you, you had no control over, uh, an illness, an abuse, something that happened to you that just causes you to look in the past thinking, I can't get it out of my mind. Why did that have to happen to me? So here's how you know if you're dealing with regret. It's easy just to look at those categories and go, oh, okay, three categories of regret. Here's how you can determine if you're dealing with it. Do you look into the past and do you say these four words? What if and if only? Do you look into the past and say, what if What if I had just done it this way? What if I had just chosen that major? What if I had just waited a little while longer? What if I had said no? Wouldn't life be better today? Or you look in the past and say, if only I would have been born to different parents. If only I would have been in a different city. If only I would have gone to a different school, then all the things that happened wouldn't have happened to me. Those four words will destroy your life, and they'll keep you living in a cycle of regret that you won't be able to shake. But there is a way to be free from regret if you're living in it. God actually provided for us lots of stories of messed up people who did regrettable things, where we can see this is how God deals with people who have regret. We're going to look at one episode in the New Testament. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, raise your hand. You can have it, you can borrow it, and you can also read along on the screen. So we're going to look at an episode when Jesus was teaching his disciples. He pulled this group of 12 close to him, and he primarily, during his ministry, invested in them. He was with them all the time because those were the people he was planning on and ended up handing over authority to begin the church, to preach his message, to get his message to a lost world. And so Jesus is telling them what's about to happen one day. He's saying, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. And they don't want to hear anything of it. They can't understand that that's going to happen. They're hoping he's going to have this kingdom that they get to work in with him being the king on earth. And he's explaining to them, no, that's not how it's going to work. In fact, somebody here is going to betray me. And one of Jesus's followers named Peter, who was the kind of guy that always spoke up first, said these words in Mark chapter 14, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus, I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. And so this guy, Peter, speaks up first and says, I'll never do that. It's not gonna happen. The rest of them said, we're not gonna ever do that either. won't ever happen. <laughs> Jesus gets arrested. He's being unjustly tried. He'll, he eventually is unjustly executed. But while all this commotion is going on, all the disciples scatter out of fear for their own lives and their own safety. And while they're scattering, Peter stays close enough to see what's going on. And somebody comes up to him and said, wait, hey, you're one of those guys that hang out with Jesus. Not me. You got the, I just look like somebody. You got the wrong guy. Then somebody else says, well, I think you're the guy that hangs out with Jesus. You're one of them. No, I'm not. And a rooster crows. Then somebody else asks him, I I think you're the person that hangs out with Jesus. And this time he cusses, like to prove, you know, I'm, I'm not one of his followers, blank, blank, blank. And then he hears a rooster crow again. And the words, I never will, become the words, I can't believe I did. And you probably have something in your life. Maybe you're going through it right now. Maybe it's something in the past where you said, I never will. But now you're looking thinking, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I let it get to that. So this is, Peter just did something that, of course he's going to regret it. Now, what is he going to do with that regret? He denied knowing Jesus after Jesus said, you're going to do this. He emphatically said, I will not do that. No way. Then he did it just moments later. How do you live with that? How do you live with doing the thing you said you would never do? Of going the place you said you would never go? Jesus goes on and Jesus is executed he dies his disciples think he's dead forever they go back to the life they knew before Jesus which was just fishing one day while fishing one morning they recognize Jesus is standing resurrected on the side of the sea and they all go to him he helps them catch a bunch of fish and they all run to him they have breakfast together and then Jesus starts to talk to them but he paid special attention to one of them, the one who had messed up the most. He paid paid special attention to Peter. And here's how the story continues. And it's in John chapter 21. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Now, Jesus is trying to say, he's giving them another chance, and he's saying, do you love me more than these? He might have been talking about the bunch of fish they had because that was the way he made a living. He might have been talking about the other people standing there. But he was pointing or referring to these, and he said, I need to know, do you love me more than this other stuff? And Peter's saying, well, yeah, you you know I do. But Peter has to be thinking, but I really messed up. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to be in charge of helping other people get to know me. That's what I want you to lead. And this messed up guy who had failed, who had denied Jesus just days before, is given this restoration by Jesus, and Jesus trusts in him and says, I want you to take care of my church and I'm sure if, if that would have been me, I would have said, nah, I can't do that. I really messed up. I don't think I can handle it. I, I mean, I can remember when I first started going to church, I, I had a really, really regret-filled life up until the time I found Jesus. And I was in my early 20s. And I remember when I finally figured out that Jesus was the answer, I just thought, if I could just kind of go to church and sit in the back, I'll be Okay. I just sit, I'm not cutting on y'all that are sitting in the back. I'm speaking metaphorically, okay? Sort of. But <laughs> I, I remember just thinking, I'm just going to sit back here. And it wasn't long until some leaders recognized some potential in me and started to say, hey, wait a minute. We, we would like for you to help with this. We would like for you to do that. We would like for you to help with this person. I would say, nah, I'm probably not the person to do that. I've got to tell you my story. And it seemed like, as I told my story, more people were interested in finding help. And so Peter messed up. He blew it. He did the worst thing he could do. He was right there with Jesus and said, I don't know that guy. And Jesus said, but I want you to be the person who leads my people. Jesus, what Jesus is really saying to him is, I care more about where you're headed, Peter, than where you've been. And he says that to you. If, if you're the person that says, I've just done too much, there's too much back there, God says to you, I care a lot more about where you're headed than where you've been. You can't change where you've been, but you can sure change where you're headed at any time, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done. And if he can take a foul-mouthed, cussing sailor that says he doesn't know Jesus when he does and say, I'm gonna hand the church over to you to lead it, to feed my people, then he can take anything you've done and point you in a whole new direction. Where you've been doesn't define you. But where you're going, the direction you're going, that's where transformation can take place. doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what your regret is. It doesn't matter what somebody else has done to you. That story can be taken by God and used to make a difference. A lady that gave a TED Talk a while back, named Karen, or Catherine Schultz. She's a journalist, and if you can Google uh, Catherine Schultz TED Talk, you need to watch this talk about regret. And she doesn't approach it from a, biblical, uh, from a biblical perspective, but what she says is reflective of how God thinks about our regret. And she ends up this talk by saying this, regret doesn't remind us that we did badly, it reminds us that we can do better. And here's how God's word says that. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has become. See, Peter had a choice. He could live the rest of his life thinking, what if I just what if I just stayed back and not gone where the danger was? Or if only I would have said yes when they asked me if I knew Jesus. He could have lived the rest of his life like that or he had a choice to say, I'm gonna receive what God offers me and I'm gonna remember my past but I'm going to acknowledge it as something that's valuable to take me where God wants me to go. Now, if I were Peter, every time I heard a rooster crow, we would have had chicken for dinner, (laughs) right? You just Every time you hear a rooster crow, it would be like, oh, I can't believe I just, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. But instead, Peter used the crow of a rooster, not to kill roosters every time he heard one, but to be a marker in the past and help him remember from where God had brought him. Now, what if you did that with your past? Instead of remembering it as a dumb thing you did or someone did to you or something you wish you would have done, you didn't. Instead of looking back thinking, I can't believe that. I can't believe I didn't. I can't believe I let them do that to me. Why did that have to happen? Instead of looking at the past like that with pain, instead look at the past and say, That's the marker that shows me how far God has brought me to where I am today. That changes your perspective. That keeps you living in the, from living in this cycle of regret. Because with Peter, the one that supported Jesus the least when he really needed it, turned out to be the one that was going to help the most when Jesus said, go be my witnesses. How does that happen? It happens because Peter was willing to accept the transformation that God offered him. And so almost two months after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it was Pentecost. It was this big Jewish festival. And so they're getting ready to celebrate Pentecost. All these Jews are hanging out in Jerusalem. And Peter has an opportunity to stand up and speak about Christ. It's kind of confusing. The Holy Spirit is working among them. Nobody really knows what's going on. They're speaking in languages they didn't know. All this stuff's going on they don't understand. And the first person that stood up to speak was the first person who probably longed for the chance to make things right, and that was Peter. And in Acts chapter two and verse 14, it says this. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, And he went on to tell people the message of Christ. He went on to tell what he should have told when they said, do you know Jesus? And he's standing in front of people, some of whom could have been there, who watched Jesus die, who yelled, crucify him. Maybe even the people that said, do you know Jesus? And Peter said, no. And now he's got his chance. He's got his chance. And he stands up and he proclaims who Jesus is and their part in Jesus's death and Jesus's burial, and what the resurrection of Christ means. And he spoke that to those, that large group of people. Thousands of people responded with, what do I need to do? This messed up guy is now bringing people to Christ and they're saying, well, what do we need to do? And he tells them, you need to repent. You need to follow Christ in baptism. And it says everybody who accepted the message that day were baptized, 3,000 people all from a guy who less than two months prior was saying, blanket, I don't know him. I've never seen him, you're you're mistaken. And now 3,000 people know Jesus because of the words he said. Now how could a guy who had every reason to wallow in regret of the mistakes he had made move forward with such boldness? He started over, he made a decision that he was going to start over the mistakes he made in the past gave him courage to speak into the present all the junk that he messed up with prior to that gave him the courage to say i will not go back there i don't care what the consequences are i'm not going back there where i used to be and now things are different and he started over maybe you need to start over Maybe you need to stop going back to the past and living in the regret and just start over. And that's not a one-step decision. That's a decision to walk in the direction of starting over. It won't all happen at once, but if you're taking notes, here's some ways that you can really start to get past your regrets. When I recognize my regrets, that's the first step. The first step to make a fresh start when I name what my regret is, when I stop ignoring it, that's the first step. And if I release my regret by forgiving myself or the one who hurt me, my past no longer dictates my future. If I just release it, identify what it is and just release it, the things I've done or have been done to me in the past do not have to define my future. Because holding on, if you're dealing with unforgiveness, if that's something you're dealing with, holding on to to that only hurts you. It doesn't hurt the person that you're not granting forgiveness to. Carrying around unforgiveness and bitterness never leads to a good place. You will never ask anybody, how did you get to such an emotionally healthy place in life and them say, well, I'm bitter. I just just carry it around. Got people I need to forgive and they're not getting it from me. And that just puts me in a really good place. Nobody's going to say that. But people who are emotionally healthy and have a brighter look at the future, they forgive what's in the past. And they move on. They don't ignore it. They acknowledge it and move past it. When God redeems my regret, my story can be used to help other people. And the, and the word redeem, it just means to, to ransom or rescue or be brought back. When, when you allow God to redeem your story, to redeem what happened to you or what you did, it means that he's gonna create value out of something that might have been very painful in your past. All of a sudden, the redemption of that story is gonna have value. Why did Peter stand up and speak so boldly? Because he was redeemed from what he had done in the past. And he knew he was never gonna go back there again. For me, growing up, I, I had I had a difficult childhood. My parents divorced when I was 10. My dad was in now the house a lot before that. And it was not easy. I grew up in a town that's smaller than our church. A town of about thousand people. Everybody knew everybody else's business. Everybody. You do anything, everybody knows, and you know, they change it, make it even better, you know, before the story gets back to your parents. But I can remember, as a 10-year-old little boy, I was the only one in my Cub Scout group, on my basketball team, in my group of friends, that didn't have a dad at home, only one. Nobody else, everybody else went home to mom and dad. My siblings were so much older than me, I was pretty much an only child. It was just me and my mom, and that was it. And I can remember thinking, why does it have to be me? Why am I the one? Why, is it, why can't it be some of my other friends? And I started hoping some other friend's dad would leave so I could have somebody that could relate to what I did or what I was going through. But as I grew, that story scarred me less as God started to redeem it. Because that story did two things for me. That story made me a better husband. That story made me clear that I was gonna love my wife for my whole life no matter what. And I can remember before I ever met my wife, I knew how I was gonna treat her. I knew what I was gonna do. I knew what I was not gonna do. No matter what was going on around me, I knew I was gonna be there no matter what. And it made me a better dad. I knew when he blessed my wife and I with kids, they'll never feel the emptiness I felt. So God took that story that I I look back now, it doesn't cause pain, but I look back at that story and say, that story made me the man I am today and made me better at who I am today. And God redeemed it, something that could have destroyed me. But it made me better at what I do and who I am today. Made me a better dad, a better husband. And a few years ago, God gave me another hint that he had redeemed my story. When this single mom, whose husband had just left, came up to me at church and said, would you talk to my son? He's 10 years old. Would you just talk to him about what he's going through and his dad leaving? I said, yeah, I will. And I sat down with that little guy and I talked to him. And in the conversation, I said, hey, you know what? My dad left when I was your age too. And all of a sudden, he was, what, really? And we started talking about that and how it made us feel. And I drove away thinking, thank you, God. You redeemed my story. See, All of you have a story. And it may not be like that. It might be that story. It might be way worse than that. But God can take that story and redeem it. And you won't have to live in the regret of, what if that hadn't happened to me? You'll get to the place where you would, if you could go back in a time machine and change it, you wouldn't. Because it would make you into a different person today. And God stands waiting to transform wherever you are Wherever, whatever you've done, whatever been, has been done to you, he's willing to transform that and create something brand new. Now, I showed you those tattoos, the no regrets tattoos at the beginning and the, the super bowel uh, tattoo that people no doubt regretted getting. There's two TV shows that specialize in regrettable tattoos. One's called America's Worst Tattoos and the other is called Bad Ink. And what they do, they don't remove the tattoo, they transform it into something beautiful. So if somebody has a misspelled word or somebody has something dark and negative on themselves and they want it to be bright to reflect a change in their life, they take that and they change it. Or if they, they have an ex's name you know, tattooed on their arm or their chest, they transform that into something else. And something that was a regret, something that was, that caused shame, all of a sudden is turned into something beautiful. That is what God can do with your story, no matter what it is. Imagine what your life would be like if you stopped looking at the past as I can't believe that happened and said, that's the marker that just shows me how far God has brought me. That just shows me what God's done. Yeah, probably probably wish it would have been a little different, but God took that story and got me where I am today. So whether you've done something or not done something or something's happened to you, wherever you are in this cycle of regret, it can stop today. It can stop right now. I wanna read this verse to you again. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. You can start that new life today. In fact, today we're having a baptism service after, after we're finished, So when we wrap up here in just a few minutes, you can come down front, you can talk to me or one of our other pastors and you can say, I'm ready to start the journey. I wanna belong to Christ. And we'll guide you through that decision. You can be baptized today. Or maybe you already know Jesus and you've already been baptized, but you've let regret come back in and just go through that cycle of bringing you down. We'll come down and we'll pray for you. And we'll pray that you can start on that journey to see your past as simply a marker to show how far God has brought you. Let's pray. God, we deal with regrets. We deal with mistakes. We mess up. And God, I pray that you would just help people in here today and maybe the one person that feels like they can't get past their past to see that you offer redemption to all. And Father, I pray that we would let you create a new story in our life like you did Peter's.